0: It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, dot com. And now, on to today's show. All right, folks. Hello, and welcome to another great episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Today's guest is Emily Morgan. Emily, thanks for being with us today.
1: I'm so honored to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, I can't wait to have this uh, conversation we're about to have here. But what I want listeners to know before we get into it is that Emily is an entrepreneur with an innate heart for helping others. As the leader of Delegate Solutions, she and her team help business owners and entrepreneurs find more freedom and elevate their time using proven delegation strategies. She's been featured in Forbes as a top 50 remote employer, contributed articles to the Huffington post and highlighted in the New York times and fresh off the presses, her uh, new book, let it go is now live and the number one book in time management in business. Uh, so uh, first of all, congratulations on that piece. That's, that's, that's pretty <laughs> exciting <laughs> Thank news. You. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank
1: you.
0: With all of that, I'm very excited. I know my listeners are very curious to hear how you answer this question because they know it's where I start every one of my guests. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about it in in two ways. Um, Number one is probably the way most people answer this question, which is I have a responsibility to the livelihood of the people that I'm leading. Um, And I have a responsibility to be a good role model and a good example to them. So that's part one. I think part two is a little more tied to, um, from a delegation perspective, the way that I think about being responsible is being really disciplined as a leader because, um, and we'll probably get into this as we talk, but, you know, our teams are living in execution mode. And all they're thinking about is all the things they're trying to get done. And as leaders, we tend to live in ideation mode. And we can really drive our teams crazy. And I feel act irresponsibly when we don't sort of rein in our ideas and our sort of vision for where we're trying to go. So I think being really disciplined is also being really responsible.
0: I like that. I like that a lot because I, I will agree with you. The the discipline to, to do these things and do these things well uh, it is important, you know, and, and uh, you know, as folks may have uh, picked up on the name of your company's delegate solutions. Uh, you've already kind of mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, time management and, and that sort of stuff. So what I like is you refer to delegation as an energy management system. Um, and, and I like that kind of delegation of ideation and execution. So, how does that all fit together when you talk about delegation as an energy management system and kind of that balance between execution and ideation?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I'm trying to change hearts and minds around delegation overall, so I like to throw out Thoughts like that, you know, I think most of us when we think about it, we think about delegation as like a chore, like something we know we need to do, something we're told we should do, something we try to do, and we don't think we're really good at. And so we sort of like throw up our hands and say, Oh, I'm not good at it. I'm not a good delegator. But if you can instead sort of, you know, I believe in the idea of change your thoughts, change your life, right? So if you can mm-hmm. instead reframe your thoughts around delegation and start to view it as a way to manage and regulate your energy, um, you can really shift your own behaviors. So, you know, delegation is um, a choice and it's a skill that you can master over time. So when we think about it as a way to manage our energy, we're really focused on that's the most important thing that you're here to bring as a leader is the energy that you have to sort of move vision forward, motivate your team um, and things like that. So it's all about reframing our thoughts from negative to positive.
0: Yeah, I I like that, especially from the leader's perspective. But, uh, you know, I've got to ask, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this question before. If I'm listening to this as, you know, uh, an employee or subordinate or whatever term your, your organization uses, and I hear the word delegate, Uh, immediately there's kind of excuse me I hear the word delegate Uh, there's this kind of negative connotation that comes with it of oh this is just the thing that you don't want to do you're dumping it on (laughs) me and I don't think that's anywhere at all what you're talking about right
1: no and I believe that we're all here to make an impactful contribution um, at any level in the organization so I like to teach people that you know It's all about how we're valuing our time and and that we're really clear on what impact we're here to make and then figuring out how to protect that. So it doesn't matter if you're the janitor or you're the, um, you know, account manager or you're the CEO, like you're here to make an impact in the world. And the only thing that you have is time and your ability to fiercely protect that by using delegation as like the number one sort of strategy is how you're going to be able to make the impact that you're trying to make.
0: Yeah. No, I agree, especially the time piece. I mean, that is that that is one resource that uh, as of yet uh is not renewable. We'll see what what the future holds, <laughs> but uh Yeah. You know, so um so talking about the reframing and and how how do you get leaders to be a little bit more comfortable with it, right? Because, you know, as I kind of mentioned, like a lot of times, you know, they've worked for somebody whose idea of delegation was, you know, this is just a, you know, it's a low-end job, it's a menial task, I don't want to do it. And so leaders get kind of conditioned to be, you know, want to be different, want to be better, and or maybe a little hesitant to delegate some of that stuff. And then, you know, again, they don't want to make their employees feel that way. So how do you have that discussion with them about getting them more comfortable to delegate and how to delegate those tasks responsibly?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of ways to think about it. But number one is there's people who love to do work you hate to do. (laughs) (laughs) And you're doing work that they hate to do. (laughs) So like respect that. Um, It might seem like, You know like a grind to you but you know my team i have 50 employees that are admins and they salivate at admin work they love to do it they love to help people so there's another like limiting belief you're telling yourself (laughs) around around work that doesn't you know around work that you don't like because it doesn't serve your vision and so if you're really clear on what your vision is and what impact you're here to make and the value of your time then you can start to figure out what to delegate to people on your team. But just don't don't immediately go to negative. Like people love to do work that you hate to do. And that's a wonderful thing.
0: No, it, it absolutely is. And it ties into one of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the importance of of knowing your people. So, you know who that person is that, you know, loves putting together the PowerPoint presentations or loves crunching the data if you know who those people are, it makes the, your task of, of delegating uh, a lot less stressful because as you mentioned, you know, you know, that that person loves them. You don't see it as punishment for them. They don't see it as punishment from you. It's, it can almost be kind of rewarding them in a way, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, if that's, um, you know, there's strategic coach is a great, um, organization that I get coached through and they teach this concept called who, not how, And it's all about, instead of figuring out how to get something done, it's about who is the best person to get that done. Um, And so, you know, when you start to feel that way, I would just prompt yourself with that question. Okay, I don't like this and I'm not good at this. Who is, (laughs) and (laughs) then work with them to figure out how to get it off your plate.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And and listeners, you know, go back. Uh I'll put the link in here, but go back and listen to the the episode I did on uh, uh the book of Five Rings, the the Way of the Master Carpenter and it fits in perfectly with what uh Emily's saying here about about knowing who. Um and, and that is a critical critical skill. Um so let's talk about let it go for a little bit. So first of all, uh you know, I love the title, but I'm sure Uh, A lot of parents right now are like, oh, no, we're going to go through this again. (laughs) Uh, Any relation between the two? I got to ask.
1: No, but that's the one downside of the title. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) sings it in their heads.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but I guess, you know, I mean, in in some ways uh, I was talking uh, to a marketer many, many years ago, and he said the best form of advertisement is the annoying advertisement, uh, <laughs> and so you know it's like that thing they were like, if that's happening, people are always going to be thinking about your book. So, so that's that's yes. good money, uh, advertisement money there. <laughs> um, but uh, I like the way. So I'm I'm always a big fan of books that are well organized. Again, that's my thing, uh, and and I like that you have this broke down into to three uh, three distinct parts here. You got uh, the the mindset, the technique. And the execution. Um, yep. So, what I like to do with books on the show is I like to you know go through them with the the author. And uh, my goal, and my listeners know this, is to give them enough uh, to to entice them to go get the book, but not so much as they don't need to go get the book. So, <laughs> uh, so so let's try to walk that balance here, right? Uh, yeah. You start out with step one, know your most impactful contribution. I think we kind of talked about that a little bit, but, um, how, yeah, this
1: is huge.
0: Yeah. How, how do you, how do you really get people to, to become that clear to know what their most impactful contribution is?
1: Yeah. So the book is, is part of partially a workbook. So at the end of every chapter, there's exercises that we do. So, even though we will scratch the surface on a lot of this today the the real work happens in the book. so we'll start there um so yeah i i love to start with this concept because i feel like this is where we get delegation wrong um because we don't take a minute to reflect on what we're here to do and what we're trying to contribute before we start to delegate and so because that happens It always falls flat. We never feel like it moves the needle for us. And all we're doing is refilling any time we've we've created using delegation with more junk, more work that doesn't fulfill us and motivate us. So it's so important that before you start thinking about what you're going to give to someone else and who's going to get it done and how you're going to get it off to them, what are you here to do? What impact are you trying to make? And always start there. Be really clear with that with yourself because that's where when you see that, you can start to see all the other things that you're spending your time on that have nothing to do with that. And it will be like an illuminating path because you're going to see really clearly, okay, I'm here to do this. All these other things I'm doing are not that. And as long as you're clear on what your most impactful contribution is, then you can start to delegate all those other things away.
0: In your experiences, how hard is it to get people to really get what their most impactful contribution is? Like, how often do you run into somebody who, when you first bring that up, they say, Oh, it's this? And then when you go through working with them, they realize that they were, you know, probably a a few degrees off from where it really is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would answer that as I think most people do not know. (laughs) Right. I think if you're an entrepreneur, which I am, we start our business with this really ambitious goal and vision, and then we just get so overwhelmed with all the things that have to happen to build a business that we forget what that is. We lose, we lose connection with that. Um, so I think for the most part, most people probably don't even think about that.
0: And and I would agree, you know, especially as you mentioned, you know, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur myself, um, yeah, I, I when I read that, I was sitting there. and It's like, what is what is my most impactful contribution? So you give me something to think about here too, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know I, I know like offhand what I think it is, but uh, being a solopreneur myself here, it, it's probably a little easier for me to be uh, self focused. But I would say most people don't, and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Most people don't a hundred percent get the the impact as an entrepreneur with staff, uh, that their most impact is probably, you know, setting that vision and how they treat their employees uh, versus just about anything else.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing you're here to contribute to the world. And I believe everyone in the world has something to offer to make the world a better place. And so if you can be clear, which is what we work through in chapter one, we use a lot of like, the feelings wheel. How do you feel? What do other people tell you when that, you know, you think is normal, but they tell you, you think it's really special. Um, what impact are you actually trying to make? And if you can get back in touch with that, it just really lights the path for finding reclaiming your time in a different way.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that is brilliant. Now, how, um, let me ask you this. When do you feel that that should be something that a leader entrepreneur should start focusing on? Is that something they should go into out of the chute? Is that something that they should have 10, 15, 20 employees? Is there a magic number where this should become more and more important to them?
1: Uh, no, I think the sooner you can get in touch with that and remind yourself of that, um, the more quickly you'll be able to grow your company, um, for example, like later in the book, um, we, I introduced the Delegate Freedom System, which is the sort of repeatable, reliable way to think about delegation. And step one, which you can do every single week or every single day, is reconnect with what that vision is for your, for your time. Um, so we always start there. We start with it in the beginning of the book. We start with it as an entry exercise. And then we start with it as we work through a delegation system forever.
0: Nice. Yeah, no, I agree because, um, you know, the, the longer you go without doing this, the more out of touch, the more out of touch you get with it and the more ingrained kind of those automatic habits become and they're they're harder to break at that point in time, right?
1: Yeah. And there's there's a lot of things that I share in the book around sort of mindsets that we develop over time as leaders. So, for example, I haven't earned this freedom yet. I feel guilty. Delegating to others, if I am not doing this, people might view me as unimportant because I'm really not doing something that everyone else can't do. And so there's these like subconscious stories we tell ourselves that hold us back from delegation. And and that clarity around what you're here to do and why it's going to be impactful is is just the first step you need to take.
0: Love it, love it. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and skip to to part two, if you don't mind here and, and uh, talk about, so that, that is technique for the listeners. And uh, you start off and we've already used this word before, but you start off with the discipline. So let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. When you say the discipline, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, it's, it's about your own commitment to seeing delegation through. So we, you know, we've led in with this, but I think as leaders, We get shiny object syndrome sometimes. So we get really excited about something. We send our team sort of off and running on something and then we change our mind. We're on to the next exciting thing. And they're kind of like, wait a second, I just finished. I didn't even start on the the last thing you told me. Um, So discipline in that section, we talk a lot about bottleneck behaviors that we as leaders bring into play as we work with our teams. and, And I think my goal in that chapter is really to create awareness around the own behaviors that you're bringing that could make delegation fail.
0: Yeah. No. And, and again, as we said before, uh, that, that is an important skill because, you know, you you always want to be forward thinking. You want to be innovating. You want to be doing all these things to kind of keep the organization relevant. But, you know, like you said, the, the shiny object syndrome can kick in. And if you're not, if you're not really in tune with again, I, I like how you put you, what your, your, uh, impact is, um, mm-hmm. and, and what the organization's impact is. Cause you know, you have to keep both those things in mind as you're, you're going through this process, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and so next you get into the art. Uh, so, so what mm-hmm. is the art?
1: Right. So let's, if, if we're looking at it as a triad, right. So we've got discipline, art, and science. So discipline, You understand how your behavior impacts it. (laughs) Art is all about what you're going to delegate. And so this is traditionally like the fun part. People get really excited about this. We've had clients say like, it's, I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store. Like there's so much I can delegate, (laughs) you know, when they have that clarity (laughs) around what they want to do. So the art is like you just sort of work the process to figure out what can actually come off your plate. And we have some exercises in there to do that.
0: Nice. Nice. And that's, you know, again, I, um, you know, I'm not going to give away your exercises here, but, you know, one of the kind of the standard tools is uh, uh, for, for kind of identifying the, you know, the, the Covey quadrants and all that and getting people to, to really answer those questions of, of what is the thing, that I have to do and that I have to do now. And, and I think people are a little hesitant to really answer those questions honestly. And, and I don't, I guess maybe honesty is not the right term because they really don't know. I guess it's the best thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're being dishonest. They don't really know what are the things that I myself need to do and I need to do right now versus what can I push off to somebody who is a little bit more qualified, who has a little bit more time. And then I guess another layer here, and I'm kind of curious with, uh, you know, the work you're doing, especially through the pandemic and all that. um, Have you seen any generational differences in this, this piece of the puzzle?
1: (laughs) Funny you should mention that because in the book, I share a story of a, a leadership story. It's like a fable kind of. And, you know, in the story, the guy um, takes over his or comes to work for his father and his father is constantly giving him a hard time about hiring an assistant. Like, you know, he's the old school mindset of burning the midnight oil and <laughs> like like how much time you're sitting at your desk equals the impact or the contribution that you're here to make. Um, and so he never. Becomes really clear on what impact he's trying to make because he's just doing all the things his dad wants him to do. And then his father passes and he's now in control of the company and he has to sort of go on this journey of self-discovery of like, okay, now I'm in charge. Like, what is my vision? What am I here to do? So I think there is definitely a generational from a work-life balance part that... It needs to change for people to really feel success with dele- delegation, delegation. Yeah. That answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, it does. It does. And even, you know, even now, like one of the things, you know, talking with a lot of leaders through the pandemic and uh going to, you know, the big thing remote work, uh, you know, this idea of, of how we view what's impactful. And I love that that story there because, you know, I think that's one of the things we really saw was Uh, you you had really, for the most part, two types of uh, employers when it comes to remote work, those Mm. who are really for it and those who are really against it. And a lot of times the argument against it is kind of what you said there, right? Is, you know, you're you're not at your desk. You're not putting in eight hours in the four walls. You're not (laughs) doing this. You're not doing that. And, you know, the conversation I've had to have, and it sounds like it's a very similar conversation with this is, look- what is important? Is the person working eight hours important, or is what they are accomplishing during that eight hours important? Right. And that helps you come to grips. Because if this person can, this is my opinion, I know uh, uh, some people disagree with it, but if the person can do all of the things that they need to do and more, and still be able to, you know, <laughs> Sneak off and watch a Netflix series or something like that. Who cares? (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes me happy to have this conversation because um, pre-pandemic, I was the, you know, my we've been remote 15 years. So I was the one pounding on the, you know, soapbox about remote work and, You know, nobody could understand it. (laughs) How do I run a remote company? Like, it's so weird. (laughs) Um, And so it was a a fast learning curve for the rest of the world, I guess, when that happened. Um, But, you know, I think every business is different. So, like, we shouldn't generalize, you know, not every business or job can be remote. Right. But at my company, it it is. Um, And we also track our time because we sell our time. And so our team has a utilization metric that they have to meet. And so in that example, like they are, they have to work a certain number of hours, but we're also a flex work company. So Mm -hmm. if they want to work two hours in the morning and seven hours later in the day, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter to us. So I think just giving people the responsibility or acknowledging that These are responsible people you're hiring, giving them really clear goals and metrics that they have to achieve. You know, that is what we're here to do as leaders, not sit there and like, well, you took a 47 minute lunch break today. So, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's like a whole other world that I don't understand.
0: (laughs) Yes. No. And I, I agree with you. Yes. Every organization is different. Every organization has their own needs You'd be very hard to, uh, you know, have somebody in audio, auto manufacturing working from home. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and I, I, I agree with you. And, and I guess to me, and I like the flex thing, right? Because I think that's, that's the key of the conversation is, is understanding what needs to be done and having the trust in the people that you have that they're going to get it done. and And I think that's a big element of this is. Right is how much trust do you have in your team? And then I always follow it up with, if it's very little, you've hired the wrong team.
1: <laughs> and how do you judge that remotely? I think right. is the new, the new part of the conversation. Um, so for us, like, you know, we have unlimited paid time off and we have, you know, flex stay, virtual offices, whatever. But we also have, You have to be responsive to clients three times across the business day you schedule all meetings on zoom like on video so you see each other like we have we have like a set of rules around what does it mean to work remote here yeah and as long as they're following those rules and they're getting their job done they're hitting their metrics which they really have the one big one which is utilization you know, they have the freedom and flexibility to do it in whatever way they choose.
0: Right. And, and again, I love that. And I want listeners to listen to that because I think that is, I think that's the, the the secret sauce, if you will, because I don't know anybody. I don't know any employee and I'm sure they exist. I'm just saying, I don't know them that wants, you know, happy, fun, free time all day. I want to get paid for doing nothing. <laughs> again, I'm sure they exist, but they, they want that, right? They, they want, mm-hmm. tell me, what my expectations are, trust me to meet them. And, you know, don't don't be overbearing, overburdening. And I think that's work-life balance right there.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think just give them the, the rules of the road. Like what is the minimum expectations? What are some metrics that you can use to measure and they can use to measure whether or not they're hitting them? Um, and then when it comes to remote work, I mean, we didn't even touch on this, but there's a whole infrastructure that needs to be there for that to work well, that I think people cobbled together during COVID because <laughs> they yeah. had to. But, um, you know, we have a very vibrant community of people, like people that work for me, like love each other, like they are friends and <laughs> that's all possible virtually. And they've never met in person.
0: Yeah. And and yes, I love that. I love that. Cause that's the other argument I get is, well, how are people supposed to get to know each other?
1: Yeah. How do we connect? It's, it's like yeah, the same way you connect with everyone else in your life. Like, <laughs> you don't have to see them all the time.
0: Right. And, and again, that's another one of those things that is generational, right? I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. we have to, you know, everybody in the workforce, like you and I, but everybody in the workforce, we have to acknowledge that for, for, the the quote-unquote younger generations they're used to th- most of their interaction being online they're used to their mm-hmm. friends being avatars whether it's video games social mm-hmm. media whatever it is they're used to it they can build those relationships and then you know um uh, I'll, I'll use myself as a example here you know i am a more in-person person myself just because of the generation i come from but we have to acknowledge those generational differences. And I think that comes back, bring us back to the delegation piece. And, and that's part, uh, I don't know if exactly if this is where you're going here with this, but that's kind of part of the science of it again is, is knowing all of those pieces, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the third part is the science and that is this, this, the step where you get it from your plate to someone else's and how you do that responsibly and impactfully. Um, and so there's lots of strategies that I outline in the book around how to do that. And I give some actual like templated examples. Um, but the number one part of it is is a commitment, like an obsessive commitment to feedback. And that that is always built into meetings that you're having with people you delegate to. It's where you are identifying who is doing what by when. So I have some delegation templates that you can use, which you could just like fill it in and hand it to the person <laughs> that you're delegating to. And it'll just immediately increase the likelihood of it getting done the way you want it to.
0: Mm, no, I like that. Uh, I, uh, because, you know, and this is one of the things that, that I've had to coach uh, a bunch of people through over the years. And, you know, I'm kind of interested, uh, very interested you brought that piece up because I'm, I'm curious about your feedback. Uh, it's always been my stance that the, the, the success of delegation really hinges on the conversation you have when you're making the delegation, right? How do you make that person feel? Do you make them feel like, again, that this is just something that, hey, I didn't want to do. You're the the <laughs> subordinate. You're going to do this. This is just a gopher task. It's below me. It's menial. Or do you have the conversation with them? Say, hey, this is what I need you to do. This is why I need you to do it. This is how it's going to help me. This is how it's going to help you. I trust you. Love it. You're the person that needs to do it, right?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, anytime you can delegate the end result, so like these things have to be true for this to have been a success, that one makes you sort of think through what your own success criteria are for that task that you're getting off your plate. But it also lets the other person just sort of like, okay as long as these things are true i'm going to attack it in this way and a lot of the times they'll get to it in a different more efficient way than you would but it's still getting done your standards are still being met and then if you can share like you're kind of just touching on this like why is the project important what is the impact that it has overall to what you're trying to do what the company's trying to do so that they can feel a part of the outcome yeah. and see how that piece their piece fits into
0: the overall picture. <laughs> yes. I love it. it. Cause I always, and I don't know if you get this uh, kind of pushback or not, but uh, you know, I get some, you know, well, Hey, that all sounds fine and good, but you know, you know, whatever the excuse is, I, I, I try to remind people, like there's a famous quote by general George Patton, a guy mm. they affectionately called old blood and guts that says <laughs> don't tell people what to do do. tell them what needs to get done and get out of the way and let them dazzle you with their brilliance.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: If that guy gets it and doesn't see it as touchy feely woo woo, you can get past it too. (laughs) A
1: hundred percent. Could not agree with you more.
0: Love it. Uh, so part three in the book, and, and again, folks, this is, uh, let it go. Um, Part three is the execution piece, so reliable and repeatable delegation. What is reliable and repeatable delegation?
1: Yeah, so that has to do with the delegate freedom system, which is that five-step process to delegation. Um, it's a wheel, so it's designed to repeat um, on purpose and by design. But that last part of the book is, okay. okay, so now you've mastered delegation. You freed up your time. You know what your most impactful contribution is, and you're just letting things go. What would be the impact if now your team has that mindset, and so everybody's starting to delegate. Everybody's making more of an impact. What kind of impact could your company make as a whole, um, even bigger than probably what you Im- initially imagined when you started your company? Because now everyone is is elevated to do their most impactful work. So that last part of the book talks about how to roll out a culture of delegation within your company and what impact it could possibly have.
0: And and again, I love, I love the thoughtfulness that you've put into these chapter titles and the words that you've used, because uh, I love chapter nine, cascading culture of delegation, which is, you know, kind of what you are just talking about there. And, you know, again, Mm -hmm. being a Marine Corps veteran myself, that was kind of at the core uh, of our leadership structure. Was this this uh, we called it? You know, uh, push the decision down to the lowest possible level. But it was really this cascade, uh, cascading effect of of delegation. Right? It's like an, an order would come from. I'll use, uh, you know, business terms, but let's say it comes from corporate and then it gets down to, you know, the the, uh, regional, to the district, to the local manager, to, you know, who is the best person. You were expected to know who in your sphere uh, was the best person to delegate that task through. So it got it got done. And anybody uh, in there could do it. Sometimes it was, you know, it made it all the way down to the private but sometimes it was like, hey, you know, the the captain needed to do these things. And, and I, I like that culture because when everybody's doing it, I think that's the thing. Uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that seems to me, uh, my experience with that situation, if everybody's doing it, you fight that stigma that we talked about in the beginning uh, around being the person doing the delegating and being the person who's having stuff delegated to them right
1: exactly yeah i think you know if if you felt the liberation of it imagine if if you gave your team the tools and empowered them to free up their time by giving them resources permission autonomy like all of those things that need to be there encouragement (laughs) um how much more impactful can our companies become if we are, are sort of operating with this mindset of like, yeah, man, let it go. Push it down like you're saying as far as it can go till it's either automated, deleted, um, hiring additional, additional resources further down the accountability chart. But that's sort of the concept that I present in that chapter.
0: Well, you know, and I like that piece that you just mentioned, because I'll be honest through our conversation, I never thought about it, but it makes sense is, is odd, you know, delegation. A lot of times we do think about is, you know, one person asking some other person to do a thing, but you mentioned automation. And I think that is a, that, that is a brilliant point to make because delegation isn't always about asking somebody else to do something. You can create, you can delegate equipment machines to do some of these tasks, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So one little tip that I'll share around delegation is um, that you always want to look for repeatables. So if you're doing something more than once, it becomes a candidate for delegation and that could be delegated. It could be automated. It doesn't matter. But that is like the first rock to uncover. Once you know what your most impactful contribution is and you do some exercises around how you're spending your time, always look for repeatables because like you mentioned, those are great things that technology can accomplish for you.
0: Mm. Uh, that's, so, For is, example,
1: like entering things in a CRM or responding to blog posts or something like that, like things you're doing more than once are, are a great place to start.
0: Yeah, no, that is, that is a great, uh, <laughs> that, that that is a great kind of little rule of thumb there because I think hopefully, uh, all of my listeners uh, gears are spinning right now thinking like, what are the things I repeat? Because, you know, I would imagine even you being, you know, the, the, the expert in this field, you probably find things still that you're like, why do I keep doing this?
1: Right? <laughs> I think that's just always going to be true. Like there's not, there's not, it's a horizon we're chasing. <laughs> like, right. We're never there all the way. Um, But, you know, I found there's an exercise in the book similar to the quadrants exercise you were talking about. I call it like the four corners of where our time lives. And it's like a pie. Mm -hmm. And so there's this one section where it's like things you're really good at and you like doing. And um, it's still not your most impactful contribution, but you like doing it. You're good at it people think you're important because you're doing it probably. (laughs) And so for me, I had this activity up there where I was launching all of our new clients. I was designing the delegation strategy. I was introducing them to the team and I took like a lot of pride in that. And I was like, well, I'm the delegation person. So how could I let that go? Well, I realized after reflection, like, Hey, that's a repeatable thing I'm doing in my business over and over again, that other people on my team can and should be doing because it's not my most impactful use of my time. So we turned that into a process. They shadowed me. I shadowed them. Now I haven't launched a client in many years (laughs) and the team has a much more evolved process than I ever did when I did it. So don't be scared to like delegate things you like and you're good at if it's something you're doing more than once.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, So I got to ask, because one of my big issues, because uh, you brought up your your uh, where your time lives thing, because um, mm-hmm. you know, one of my big issues with the, the whole Covey Quadrant system has been, you know, he has this block. It's uh, not important and not relative or something like that. Um, and, and I've always had a problem with that because he always says that should be zero percent. OK, mm-hmm. and I have a big disagreement with that. I think you have to have some time to just uncork and unwind in that area where what you're doing isn't timely it isn't relevant it's just you taking care of your mental health you relaxing you you know doing all of those things for your own well-being how does that time fit into to your system and you know do you agree and feel free to disagree with me on that if you do <laughs>
1: I think about it a little differently. I don't know the Covey system. I looked it up while you were talking about it. So here's how I think about it. We only have so much time in a day. We already are talking about how we know what we want to spend our time on. We know what our most impactful contribution is. From there, we recommend people do um, an exercise where you think about your ideal day. What are the things you want to be doing? And like on my ideal day, it's I'm hanging out with my chickens in the morning. I'm having coffee and meditating. <laughs> yep. I'm shutting down early to hang out with my son. And so I don't think about it in that that rigid way because like, why, why do I want to look like that? I don't want to look like that. So <laughs> yes. So we break up the quadrants differently, but it, I really would recommend, you know, reflecting on, hey, if I could design my day, a work day, what does it look like? And and then when you can see that, again, your thoughts create your reality, right? You can design your schedule to reflect that as best you can.
0: I love it. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only person who feels that way because yeah. I, I <laughs> that love sounds it. terrible. No it, it really does. <laughs> and and I get I, I get where he was going. You know, it's an older system. It was, mm. you know, probably written, I think, 30, 40 years ago, maybe longer, and it was, you know, you you don't want to not be productive. But again, it's a generational difference. You know, uh, I don't view doing non-important things as not being productive because, you know, we've got all the science behind it now about power naps and things like that, about re-energizing and being more productive afterwards. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, again, it's just a generational shift. So I like your system better already.
1: Uh, (laughs) I mean, like we got one life, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I'm always, I trust me, I delegate like crazy in my personal life. My partner, he's like, okay, I'm not here to be delegated to. <laughs> but I think, you know, what do you want your ideal day, your ideal week to look like? Build that out and then see what's left over. Because like, otherwise you're just chopping, 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 and you're just filling it with like busy, 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 busy. And where's the fun? I don't yeah. know.
0: A hundred percent. 100%. Well, Emily, we uh, we've just uh, crossed over the the forty minute or so mark here, and this has just been an outstanding conversation. I've had a blast. Thank you. Uh, I'm just kind of curious: uh, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you want to leave listeners with before we get out of here?
1: Um, I mean, delegation is my jam. So everything that that I do is about delegation. So we have training, we have e course. We have a community for admins. So if you have an assistant and you want them to be supported, we have a free community that meets um, this Thursday coming up, which is not when this will be released. <laughs> but <laughs> once a month on Thursdays, um, it's free and there's a speaker and then there's breakout sessions. So if you really want to support the people that support you by giving them a resource, um, you know that's a great thing. But you know we're here to help. 360 with delegation. So I think that's the number one thing I'll leave you with, besides our service.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And again, I just want to, you know, kind of leave one more uh, quote here just to drive the point home. Because I know I have a lot of veteran entrepreneurs here, and I know we're fairly comfortable with delegation, but we may still struggle with it. And and I like to give examples to show you, hey, this is these things are okay. These things are good for you to do in your business. Uh, General Hal Moore in his book on leadership. he said that at the end of the day, he would ask himself two questions. What is the thing that I did today that I didn't need to do? And what is the thing that I didn't do today that I did need to do? And wow. he asked himself those two questions, at the end of every day. And that helped him plan and delegate things better the next day. And hearing Emily talk about this, I think that's a lot of, of what her system gets at. So I highly recommend grab yourself a copy of Let It Go. Uh, take a look at, at, at her information. Take a look at her system um, and, and put it to work. And on that note, Emily, if people want to get a copy of the book, they want to find out more about the system, how to work with Delegate Solutions. If Delegate Solutions is a good fit for them, where can they find all that information?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we have a special page for your listeners, um, DelegateSolutions.com slash rlp and everything is on there in terms of resources that i mentioned today if you want the book you can get it right on amazon um just type in let it go emily morgan and it'll come right up
0: all right. And I will admit, I just sang the song in my head when you were doing that. So there you go. <laughs> well, Emily, look, again, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate the time that you have delegated uh, to spend with me and my listeners today. It's been extremely valuable for me. I know my listeners are going to take a lot away from it. It's a great discussion to have. And again, thank you for having it with me and my listeners and being a guest on this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you for valuing the delegation conversation. So thrilled to be here. Well,
0: all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at Earl at Leadership That's E-A-R-L at Leadership P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Electricast. Electricast. electric, acid. electric acid.